Last week on the 70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete. I sent you the f- picture of the photograph. Excuse me, the picture of the... <laughs> yes. <laughs> the picture of the newspaper. A female music director at a Detroit radio station spoke out against the song, and a college radio station in Connecticut came under fire for playing it. Wow, that got canceled. Yeah. Todd Rundgren played most of the instruments on this pretty much everything except the drums which is kind of all ironic because later he wanted to go and bang, bang on his drum all day <laughs> yeah yeah so based on something that happened to me personally this week it's like maybe i should give todd Rundgren a call see if he can get me a woman <laughs> put your drum down and <laughs> get to work <laughs> yeah was written by Pam Sawyer and Gloria Jones, who were talking over lunch about various women's issues when they got the idea for this song. The women's liberation movement was gaining momentum. They were angry at Todd Rundgren. Two women's songs in a row. Yeah, yeah. If I were your black magic woman, is that... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should rename this. Uh, was that one of the titles I came up with or not? Uh, let, me, let me look at the paper. Probably not. No. <laughs> he selected this song and convinced Streisand to sing it, despite her not being comfortable with the line, I was raised on the good book, Jesus. Yeah, she was the Old Testament one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These guys were raised on the Book of Mormon. Yeah. <laughs> the song's been on the top 40 now for nine weeks, and the man who sings it's been recording hits for 28 years. Doesn't look as though he's about to quit either. Ecology buffs can learn a lot from him about the conservation of energy. Here's Barry Como. <laughs> Um, this was originally Somos Novos, Spanish for We Are Lovers. And it's a song first recorded by Mexican songwriter Armando Manzanero. You're pretty good with that. 1968. Yeah. It was originally a French song, which I can't pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> You're good with the Spanish, not the yeah. French. Jelly mal de toy. Is it Robin Thick? Robin Thick ripped off... Uh, uh, Marvin Gaye. Right? Marvin Gaye. Yeah. You know, yeah. come on. You know, uh, uh, Richie Blackmore ripping off uh, Eddie Cochran. Um, yeah. And it, John Fogarty ripping off himself. Hello again, and welcome to the 70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete. 
a show where two friends review a randomly chosen American Top 40 episode from the 1970s, the most interesting decade in pop music. My name is Mark Roback, and with me is my friend and co-host, Peter Gardo. Hello, Peter. What's happening? Well, um, you know that part of the paper where they have corrections? <laughs> you yeah. know, which is like on the last page in the yeah, yeah. near where stuff goes. So I'm going to go right up front. <laughs> last week I said that I that I had gone to Daytona. Now, we were in Fort Lauderdale. Oh, okay. Uh, All right. Yeah. So, so correction. Uh, All right. Okay. All right. We don't, we don't wait to the end. We don't bury it. <laughs> right. You you self-reporting your false news from last that's right. last episode. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, this week uh traveled to Phoenix for work. Uh-huh. And uh uh we'll talk about that offline sometime. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, and it was uh I was worried that uh called my neighbor if it's gonna snow, but it, it was mild all week, I think. Some yeah. rain. Yeah, so. yeah, mostly rain. It's been that way so far this winter, other than that cold snap we had in December. But yeah, yeah. So anything going on with you? Um, yeah, I went to, to so I talked about the the Polish national home in the big city that mm-hmm. uh, um, it's like a lot of things is uh, shutting its doors. Unfortunately, after some, I think it's like. 90 years 90 years yeah yeah yeah. and uh but they had uh a silent auction and a tag sale and also if you possibly had any uh stuff related to your family uh down there you could go down today and view the stuff so i did i sent you a text of a picture of a pbr lamp uh shade that was being auctioned off and and um, and then i sent you that article to uh Sad sack, uh, big city. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and a Baker's Cafe, and they had yeah. one hanging up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I came away with, and it's too far away to show on Channel 18, but upstairs in the ballroom there was a picture of my great uncle Stanley Roback or Stanislaw, and oh, wow. uh, he was one of the founders and a manager and a, a president at one time. So. So able to come away with that. And then they were selling these. Uh, they were like the stock certificates for the uh, the home. That, and these were ones that were like unissued. And so they're blank, but they're embossed. And so, so I, I bought four of those, one for each, because my father had uh, three brothers. So one for each uh, family to keep as a, as a memento. And yeah, yeah, there you go. Very good. It was very crowded there. I, I wanted to possibly try to get a bar stool or something that, um, but those were all taken. Place opened at eleven, and I was in there at like eleven oh five. Yeah, it reminds me of the uh, the church that my uh, my wife went to. The local denomination was shutting shutting down some of those churches, actually before the pandemic. Yeah. So this was. Uh, in 2019 and uh her grandparents and her father and her uncle they all had little plaques because the place was only built in the 50s you know early 60s but 
no one lives there anymore. <laughs> I went to that church. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, similar to this uh, uh, Polish National Home. I mean, I think they had this sale today uh, because it's kind of the only day that people, <laughs> you know, really travel back to the city for a reason. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because the, the 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 actual uh, Roman Catholic Church is staying open, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's still there's still a lot of people that travel in to to go to the you know Polish language mass there because uh -huh. mm -hmm. those aren't you know too prevalent around. So yeah, yeah. yeah. But, well, that's uh, that's uh, that's melancholy. You know? Yeah, we talked yeah. Uh, last week about the half door, and then there was CJ's Crab Shack closing. I said yeah. that. And Did you ever go the, there? Oh yeah, I, I only oh. went there. I, I think twice. Yeah, but uh, it was good. Yeah, and then um, the chowder pot. <laughs> yeah, that was sort of funny that we talked about it shortly before they announced that it was uh, being closed. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Yeah, but uh, well, there you go. Were you there by yourself, or did your brother show up, or did you have any, you know, directions from your other siblings, or was it uh, just you solo? It was me solo, but I had gotten a call. So my my father has one living brother, my my uncle Richie. He's into his nineties, I think he's ninety two, and I had gotten a call from him, and he, well, he said he couldn't make it down there and he was wondering if i was going i said yes yeah, so i represented the, the family and i had emailed the person that's running uh this beforehand and they had actually saved that picture for me in the office so it wasn't gonna walk away i doubt anyone would have taken it but uh and yeah. there were, there was perhaps some other stuff that had historical significance that they're going to uh that's going to be archived but they're they're planning to put it online because both my uncle's great uncle Stanley and my grandfather they fought in World War One for the Polish Army that it's called the Blue Army it was under the French actually and then so they were heavily involved with the Polish veterans of World War One in Connecticut uh, there's oh, perhaps some stuff related to that that'll go into the archive but yeah. All right. So uh, as you can tell, Pete and I have been friends for a long time, 30 plus years. We met in college and then ended up working together for a long time. And in each of these episodes, we review all 40 songs in the Chosen Weeks Countdown and provide some factual information on each song, as well as our personal opinion, stories, and comments related to it. At the end of the episode, we will provide our individual choices for the best and worst song, a song that we think will torture the other guy that we've labeled the agonizer. Then we will give our individual A plus through F grade for the entire countdown. Since nobody has the exact same taste in music, our opinions on the individual songs may be controversial, but we otherwise intend to keep the conversation light, humorous, and hopefully entertaining. Remember, this is just a discussion, not a competition, so please no wagering. All right, Mark. So today is episode 39 of the 70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete. And this is the American Top 40 for the week ending January 29th, 1977. And the yeah. title for this week's episode is Hard Luck Boogie Child. Very good. So... Do you uh, know what you were doing at the end of January in 1977? Absolutely. Okay. So I have the date book, as those of you watching on Channel 18 can see. Mm -hmm. 
I was uh, in the sixth grade, and uh, so this would be my last spring at the elementary school I went to for seven years of of elementary school that would include a kindergarten. The date book says uh, the 29th is empty. There's nothing on it. Hmm. Nothing on it at all. Uh, however, the next day, which is the 30th of January, 1977, it says ice capades. <laughs> okay. And so I did some research. I could not find any real I'm, th- I'm thinking it was at the big city arena okay yeah where the hockey team plays because the next year it was at the same spot in the calendar all right because i did find that there's an ice capades uh, uh website with with all these schedules and calendars and scans of of uh of books and such and uh, uh, the the title of that year's uh, uh, trip was uh, "It's Magic Time," and Dorothy Hamill, who had won uh, the gold at the, I guess it was the Innsbruck Austria Olympics in 1976. Yeah, um, okay. she was part of the of the tour that time, and uh, uh, and and I also found uh, from the local paper. I think I might, if you can see this, if you're looking at my, at my screen. So from the local paper over here, and I try to get a free trial to newspapers.com. And then it's like, it wants my credit card. And, uh, and then, and then if you do it, it costs like 50 bucks a year. Who knows? Maybe I should do it, but you can see right here on the left side of the paper. Yeah. Uh, it says ice capades, Dorothy Hamill, 25th <laughs> through 30th right there with a, where this is and and gives all the information on where to get it and and if i zoom in it just uh blurs or it just blurs uh yeah yeah okay and so i was trying to figure out you know this might be movies over here because i think this is the entertainment section all right um yeah so there you go yeah there's that famous dorothy himmel haircut so she was she was from our state Yep. It was a big deal back then. And I, so I think I told you one of my brothers worked as an usher at the big Coliseum there. And I remember him working in the ice capades. And I think for some reason he mentioned meeting Jojo Starbuck. I don't know if you remember that name. Yeah, I remember the name. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. she was a skater and she was, I believe, in the ice capades. And she was married to Terry Bradshaw, I think, oh, at wow. that time in the, in the 70s. Yeah. Okay. So uh, it's a little yeah. tidbit from that time period. I think that would, I, I forget if it might have been a, a year or two earlier that my brother was working there than, than mm-hmm. 77, but uh, still possibly was working there. Yeah. 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 So, so if you look at this newspaper and it's hard to see, but in the middle, in the, in the middle column, Abdow's. Yeah. Oh yeah. Family days. All right. Tuesday's <laughs> yeah. family days. Abdow's big boy. $1. fifty-five <laughs> for something. I can't read it. And then and, it looks over here that this, this didn't King Kong come out right about then. Does that look like yeah. King Kong? Yeah. The, 
Oh, who was the director of that? He he was the big Italian director. Mario uh, Puzo? No. <laughs> Franco Zeffirelli or uh, was that him? I, I I don't know. Dino De Laurentiis. That was about that time. Yeah. And then uh, something black, Heck, something Riverside. I actually, wonder, that... <laughs> actually, I'm pretty sure. Guess who starred in that King Kong movie? Faye Ray. No. <laughs> Our friend Jeff Bridges. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to verify that, but I, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> so so I was I was searching all over for information about the ice capades and when they're actually there. So here you can see the cover. Oh yeah. It's magic time. Ice ice capades, magic time. All right. Yeah. And and this this site here, where'd it go? This one, no, this one here is about Kirk Kirk Kirkham. All right. And he did all the magic stuff. So this is this kid putting out a, a a website about stuff. Okay. And then if I continue on, here is the icecapadestheblade.com. So this has all the tour dates except for our year. Okay. Yeah. And and then I uh I said, okay, well, maybe set list or concerts will have it, but they they didn't. But the big arena. talk about uh the doors were opened on january 9th 1975 and glenn campbell our good buddy glenn campbell uh -huh. kicked off the start of an event-filled weekend uh -huh. following the evening johnny mathis and the symphony or oops and the symphony orchestra took, <laughs> took to the stage and uh etc so um but i'm pretty i'm pretty darn sure it was at the big city arena and yeah. it was the last of that now Ice Capades went out of business. Uh, Dorothy Hamill actually tried to bring it back in the 90s. And um, when my daughter was figure skating 10 plus years ago, and she did it for about four or five years, Disney on Ice kind of took it over with all the characters, uh, um, yeah. but not the actual um, company. They, they made their own. And then uh, down at uh, uh, where P.T. Barnum was, they had the, uh, there's an arena down there. And probably 10 years ago, they had Smuckers on ice. And that was not the, like, that was like real live, like the professional tour or something. Ah, okay. Yeah. All right. And yeah. so, so we went down there to, to see that. So, and I looked in the slide collection and I could not find, there were no slides taken. So I don't know if, if there were any, you know, back then you couldn't take a camera into the, into the arena anyhow, I yeah. would think. Because yeah. cameras were not like cell phones then; they were like big things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, they didn't want, you know, flash bulbs and all that going off. And, right. Yeah. So, so. I, I, it just made me think of it. There was some TV show back in the day that they made a joke about, you know, how Walt Disney was supposedly cryogenically oh sure frozen yeah. and so Disney on ice. <laughs> <laughs> so what is uh what do you have going on for the uh early or late January nineteen seventy seven? Yeah, I, I don't have anything real specific. I just uh, quickly remember, you know, I was in the uh, seventh grade. That was when, you know, junior high, so you started switching classes. And I just re was thinking of some of the names of some of my teachers uh, there. There was Mr. Babisi for math, 
and Mr. Partington for social studies. Seems like I had a lot of male teachers, actually. Um, We, at that time, they had started switching it up where they mixed the boys and the girls, and you would take both industrial arts and home economics. Mm -hmm. I think I remember Miss Metz being the home economics uh, teacher. So, yeah, yeah, just, just kind of those memories, but... Other than that, nothing, nothing specific to these dates. So, yeah. Okay. Anything in the headlines? Not a lot, really, you know, in terms of just global news or anything, but just more entertainment stuff. So, uh, on uh, January 23rd, the miniseries Roots premieres on ABC, and that would run right through the date of this countdown because I, I think it was maybe eight episodes or 10 episodes i didn't i didn't look up how many episodes but i remember it being a big deal oh it was a big deal yeah yeah back then and and kind of a star-studded cast and then uh on january 31st the fourth american music awards were held and the winners were olivia newton john and elton john so the two johns the two johns (laughs) yeah (laughs) And then uh, just on February 4th, Fleetwood Mac releases Rumors, the Mm. gigantic (laughs) album that that was. Grammy album of the year. So the following year. Yeah, Yeah, the following year. Yeah. I I do have two things that you didn't you didn't put on here. Oh, okay. First one, probably on the 20th, which was 10 days before this, is when when the country got to know Billy Carter. Ah, okay. Because uh, Jimmy Carter was uh, sworn in on the 20th. Yes. And that's when Billy Beer started flowing, I guess. Ah, yeah. All right. And uh, and that's when we were all supposed to wear sweaters to keep warm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank, good, thank goodness that it's it's been a mild winter. We'd all be wearing sweaters again. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. uh, on, on the 9th, on the date book, right? Yeah. There's the date book. It says Super Bowl, Oak 32... <laughs> Min 14, Rose Bowl. Uh-huh. So the game, game was in the Rose Bowl. That February 9th, was that? Or? No, January. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you no, would have yelled was... at me for that being too far back. <laughs> well, we're in January. Might as well hit it. I know. February 9th was a, was a Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and it looks as though on that day, physics, noon, PE board, professional engineering board, and c- community band. Big uh-huh. Big, uh, big day in the in the date book on February 9th. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we, yeah, we continue to get those uh, Super Bowl scores, and it's it's interesting though. It's like you know how early the Super Bowl was, yeah, yeah. compared to the nowadays, where I think it's going to be in March at some point. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So, uh, anything going on in 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 tech? Um, yeah, just uh, in in the month of January, the Commodore Pet. Uh, capital P-E-T, is announced at the Winter C-E-S. Um, so what does P-E-T mean and what does C-E-S uh, I don't know. Do you? <laughs> I think C-E-S is Consumer Electronics Show. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, we live in, well, you used to live in the world of acronyms. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And And my father always told me, Never talk in acronyms to people that have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, so, uh, that's, that's good advice. Yeah. Yeah. So, unfortunately, I did that. 
I, I brought, can't tell on you. My father's been gone for 11 I, years. The reason this sort of caught my eye, though, is when I went to college, and, and I, I said last week that uh, myself and our friend uh, Frank R. went to a different college for our first yep. two years in the computer labs and whichever course we took they had commodore pet computers so oh wow that's pretty much one of the maybe second or third type of computer that i actually learned stuff on so yeah that's kind of i never use a commodore so my high school and of course you know i wasn't i was a few years away from high school and it's probably sophomore junior year we had a pdp 11 yeah and we had a room full of Apple IIs oh, and, Apple and a room full of IBM PCs. Ah, okay. We only had, uh, my high school, we had the PDP-11. They And I don't know what PDP means. <laughs> yeah, yeah. IBM is International Business Machine. Yeah. And the, the PDP was a, a DAC, which was what? Dig, digital, uh, digital Electronics Corporation. Electronics Corporation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but um <laughs> but yeah also in high school we we had access to like the mainframe that the board of ed had or something to to did you change your grades no uh, no i wasn't as smart as ferris bueller <laughs> <laughs> like, hey hey i never saw that movie don't don't spoil oh, oh boy it. <laughs> right. um so to give you an idea of what the economy was like in 1977 the unemployment rate was 7.7 percent not good and the inflation rate was 11%. It's part of the reason why you had to wear your sweater. Uh, it's you part of the hot. reason that Mr. Carter got into office, other than the stench of Mr. Nixon. Yeah, and then, uh, unfortunately, he wasn't as more successful than the win campaign was. Did you watch that Mo Rocca thing, by the way? I read about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. was interesting. It was short, yeah. but it was interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I like Mo Rocca. I yeah, I, yeah, I think he does a good job. Either he, I think he does a good job, and he's got excellent producers. Yeah. Maybe we should have him produce, or those people produce this show. Yeah, yeah. So it won't be three hours long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyhow, so how, what, what was a dollar worth then? So yeah, the same a dollar power of yeah today's dollar was uh, twenty one cents back then. And the cost of a gallon of regular gas was sixty-two cents. That's two ninety-nine today. So kind of, kind of around what we're paying nowadays, you know. So, do you have any uh, real-time data? Absolutely. Okay. Never fail. Yeah. So uh, the 1972 Volkswagen bus fil- was filled up on, uh, I guess, the, uh, what would it be? Uh, where's the date book? Uh-oh. Oh, did I put it away? <laughs> Three days earlier. So that would have been Wednesday, right? Uh, okay. Okay. Sorry about that. Where's my production team? <laughs> um, and it was 58.9 cents a gallon. Okay. And for 13.67 miles per gallon. And the 74 Dasher was filled up on the exact same day for the exact same amount for at uh, 58.9 cents a, a gallon for 24.34 miles per gallon. So Okay. 
All right. Yeah. So, yeah, a little cheaper, but again, the, the number I pushed out was the, the year average. So I yep. think the price went up in 77. Well, oh, yeah. He had 11% thank, inflation. Thank, yeah. Thank you, Mr. Carter. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. So, um, looking at some TV highlights for the uh, week of this time. Um, on Wednesday, January 26, CBS at 8 30, The Jacksons. Season two, episode two, and their guest uh, was Carol O'Connor. And uh, yeah, this was a variety show featuring the Jackson siblings, except for Jermaine, Jermaine, excuse me, who was signed to Motown while the Jackson group was signed to Epic CBS. Different That's record. Mary, Barry Gordy's son. Hmm. <laughs> Jermaine was married to Barry Gordy's son. Oh, was he at this time? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize that. <laughs> you didn't know that? I didn't. I, I don't know my Jackson history. So <laughs> I apologize. But you know your Johnson history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Too well. I, I never, I don't ever remember seeing the Jackson 5 um, TV show ever. Yeah, I didn't either. And that's why I added this information. It was a 30-minute uh, Wednesday evening show that began airing on CBS as, um, as a summer 1976 show, and it continued into the 1976-77 season, but it was all done on March 9th, 1977, after 12 episodes, so kind of okay. short-lived. I don't remember uh, seeing it either, but it's interesting. We'll we'll come back to this when we get, get into the countdown. Yeah. I don't think the TV was on in our house on Wednesdays. Yeah. yeah. How about Friday? Uh <laughs> Um, Maybe. Yeah. So Friday, January 28th, CBS at nine, you had the Sonny and Cher show. And this was uh, season two, episode 16. And their guests were Ruth Buzzy, Barbie Benton, William Conrad, and Engelbert Humperdinck. So I'll go ahead. No, 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 no. You you tell your story about this. And then I got a question about one of the guest stars. Yeah. Well, um, so a couple things. I, I mentioned my brother meeting... Jojo Starbuck at the Civic Center. He yeah. also met Barbie Benton. I don't know what she was there for or whatever, but he, mm-hmm. he met her. And he said she was really short. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, yeah. And then uh, I, don't, I don't know if you knew, we talked about it before too. Ruth Buzzy, her her family owned a, uh, um, like a granite, you know, monument company, gravestones, basically, okay. down in Rhode Island. And um, I just went by that like a, a month ago or something. It's still her family thing. It's says Buzzy uh, Monuments or, or whatever down there. So, yeah. So so Ruth Buzzy was on, was it Laughing? Yes. Okay. Was she, I was watching That Girl with Marlo Thomas. Uh-huh. Was she, was Ruth Buzzy... Marlo Thomas's best friend in that show. I don't know. I mean, I haven't watched a lot of episodes of that show, but um, I don't remember seeing her. Because I, I thought I saw, I thought I saw her. All right. Um, you know, this is probably three weeks ago, and uh, let's see, starring Marlo, Ted Bessel, Lou Parker, Bernie Coppell was in it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, Ruth Buzzy was in it. Oh, Bernie okay. Capel, Ruth Buzzy, and Reva Rose played Ann and Don's friends. Oh, okay. okay. 
Okay. Yeah. Because yeah, no, I'm like, I'm saying, to, I'm saying to my wife, that, that that lady looks familiar. So, um, yeah. Yeah. But she was, you know, on, on laughing, she was like the other, the, the old lady on the park bench that would always yeah. hit, hit Artie <laughs> Johnson with the pocketbook. Yeah. Very interesting, but stupid. I, I was watching an episode yesterday of Rawhide, which was like the Western that Clint Eastwood was in when he was really young. And he's with this woman. And I'm like, who is she? She looks like very, very familiar. And then it dawned on me and it was Cloris Leachman. And oh, wow. she, she was really attractive too. Like, you know, I, I, I'd never seen like a really young Cloris Leachman. Yeah. Cause when we met her on the Mary Tyler Moore show, it was probably in her mid forties already. I would. Yeah. Think. Yeah. I mean, not that she was, uh, no, no, she wasn't homely, then, but, yeah, but it's yeah. just like, it's, she didn't look me. like your mom. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> like Julie London and Randolph yeah. Madtooth. <laughs> yeah, like we talked about that, that last week. Yeah. Anything else on the tube? Yeah, so uh, so also on the, the, the same Friday, NBC at 10, Serpico. And this was the episode was uh, One Long Tomorrow, season one, episode 14. So I just brought that up because we were talking about that in our last episode, how... Mm-hmm. They had the movie Serpico, and then there was the TV series. So I, I didn't realize it it came out um, in 77, though. Which is, what, six years later, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So quite a bit later. Not much of note I found on the weekend, but then on Monday, January 31st, ABC at 8, you had The Captain and Tennille, and it was episode 14 of season one, and they had Jim Stafford. My girl, Dick- Bill. Dick Clark, Tony Randall, and the Silvers. Mm. That's interesting as well. So, Mm -hmm. yep. And then at nine o'clock, also on ABC, after uh, you watched The Captain and Tennille, um, you had the American Music Awards, which we talked about in the news. And uh, some of the hosts were uh, Conway Twitty, Loretta Lynn, C.W. McCall, Glenn Campbell, Lou Rawls, and Helen Reddy. Wow. And, um, That's like an all-star cast of this podcast. Yeah, yeah. So so all that stuff kind of melds into, into the countdown we're going to get into. It yeah. So it's it's Poochke season. Did you know that? Because I was at, at <laughs> Stu Leonard's and they had all these Poochkes. I brought four Poochkes <laughs> home yesterday. Yeah, I, it's funny. I was thinking about that for some reason because usually – they're around Easter, but we're a little ways away yet. But uh, I guess getting there. And and remember, our uh, former boss brought those in for everybody. Um, That's when... what that TV show reminded me of. Of, of that, yeah. Because I sent I sent him a picture of it. He's like, he's like, he wrote back to me. Ah, I was thinking to send you the same thing because I think every year that I see the Puchkis out at the, <laughs> I, I send him a picture. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, as as interesting cat, big heart in, yeah, in yeah. a lot of ways and in, in other ways, heart of stone. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, what are you going to get? But, I, but is the picture, is it the one that I I made up or is that what? No, no. Talking? I took a photograph of oh, the actual Puchkis. Yeah, because if you remember, so I, you know, used to bring in the, the bagels on Friday, but that Friday I didn't bring them in because I said I can't compete with the Puchkis and uh but I did offer my Friday comedy and I had, this, this, I don't know what, how I phrased it, but it was something like, do you remember this TV show? And it was uh, 
Joni loves Poochki. <laughs> and I had Joni, and, and instead of uh, Scott Bayo's head, I had a Poochki superimposed on there. Great. Anything in the movie theaters? Um, just one thing that I recognized, and that was on January 21st, Freaky Friday with uh, Jodie Foster and Barbara Harris. And it, that was a you know, mother and daughter body swap type of uh scenario family comedy i don't they re- they remade it about 15 20 years ago with jamie lee curtis and other people I yeah remember yeah i do i do remember it being remade but yeah. i don't think i've ever seen it actually but i do remember it being around at that time yeah, yeah. so sad news in the, in the in the in the paper we talk about going to the rialto theater mm-hmm. and right next to the rialto theater was rialto drug and the gentleman that uh, he grew up in in Hartford, he, he passed away. He was a hundred years old. Oh wow! And I would consider Dan Camilleri a uh, a friend of mine. I've known him for probably twenty five years. He was from the South End, where my wife's family's from. I think closer where Rialto was. You guys were farther west, and uh, so he was a World War II veteran. He was a pharmacist. He uh, uh, was interested in politics, and he was in the state senate when he was living in a. Oops. Um, in the big city <laughs> and then he moved to the town i live in in 1970 and was uh served on the town council was mayor for a few years big into unico we were on building committees together i knew him through politics we were also on the water commission together and uh what a wonderful wonderful guy and yeah, uh nice so r.i.p to uh to dan yeah all righty so now, as Casey would say, on with the countdown. There it is, The Things We Do for Love by 10CC. Uh, This one got to number five, written by Eric Stewart and Graham uh, Goldman, the uh, members of 10CC. And the lyric is based on Stewart's real-life experience. He said, I remember walking through the rain and snow when I lived in Manchester, England. Uphills both ways. Yeah. And we didn't have a telephone. He said I had to go find a phone box to ring the girl who was about to become my wife. Oh. So uh, that's how he came up with this song. The group had 11 top 10 hits in the UK, but only two of them, this song here, and also I'm Not In Love, had an impact in the in the States. Yeah. So, and uh, you know who did a couple of uh, dates with 10CC? Rory Gallagher. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to get old in this countdown, just to give you a warning. <laughs> you can have the computer say it, just like you did Ross Ballard. Yeah. Last week's. <laughs> thank, thank you for helping me out. <laughs> well, it's it's funny, though. You know, it's like I'm thinking about that. People yelling at their podcast machines. Let me just stick it in here. So. <laughs> <laughs> On a number 39. This song was not done by Casey, Harry Wayne Casey, and his Sunshine Band when I saw him in, back in September. 
And I kind of really didn't remember this one. I wonder if, I wonder if it's on my uh, CD I have. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember it either. But uh, yeah, just said the title. I like to do it. And it's off their album Part 3. This one peaked uh, at number 34. And it was their second release off the Part 3 album. The first release was the big number one hit, Shake Your Booty. And then they'd have two more big hits off of it with I'm Your Boogeyman that went to number one and Keep It Coming Love that went to number two. Both of those were later in 77. This was the tail end of an incredible streak of hits starting in 75 with the number one song, That's The Way I Like It. And then it ended in 79 with the number one, Please Don't Go. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't remember this one. It's funny. This is one of those that I think it suffers from sounding too much like Casey. (laughs) Almost a poor imitation. But, uh, yeah. Well, this was, uh, I like to do it, yeah, this is track 13 of Casey and the Sunshine Band's uh, uh, The Best Of Ah. uh, LP. You know, you think that KC could have a song with Boogie in it. How many songs on the best of KC and the Sunshine Band have Boogie in it? Let's yeah. see. I'm your Boogie Man, Boogie Shoes. That's it. Yeah, I bet there's lyrics in there, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We need a tab in the spreadsheet that's called Boogie. Yeah. So, speaking of which, this is Boogie Child by the Bee Gees, uh, their album Children of the World. I didn't remember this one either, but uh, Casey said, now here's a song by the number one singles group of 1976, a trio of brothers who outdistanced some of the strongest competition in the world, including chartbusters like Wings, Fleetwood Mac, ABBA, Chicago, and Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah, so this I'll one take got... this over last week's from 1971, Lonely Days. Yeah. Okay. This one got to number 12, and it was the third hit single from their 76 platinum album, Children of the World. Billboard described Boogie Child as the Bee Gees' funkiest single to date. Cashbox said it has a Sly Stone-influenced lead vocal. Take him a little while to get there, huh? Yeah. So, can recognize that voice, though. <laughs> he still didn't say it. So, this is It Keeps You Running. And this is by the Doobie Brothers off the album Taking It to the Streets. And, uh, Casey said this was the first time he can remember when there were 30 songs in the countdown that were co-written by the groups that performed them, and this is one of them. This peaked right here at number 37. was written by Michael McDonald and served as the third single from uh, the album Taking It to the Streets. It was also covered and released as a single by Carly Simon. Uh, yeah. 
Yep, her version peaked at number 46, but got up to 27 on the... Uh, right there. Here you go. Yeah. Wanted to hear Michael McDonald say it. With that, ah. great, that great cave in his head. <laughs> so the Doobie Brothers version was featured in the 1994 Oscar-winning film Forrest Gump and was also featured uh, in the soundtrack of the film FM. And uh, I, I saw Forrest Gump. I have yet to see FM. Yeah, I haven't seen FM either. Yeah, But uh, Michael Gallucci, the critic, described it as being... California Funky. And uh, in December of 76, the Doobies did uh, three concert dates supported by... Ladies and gentlemen, Rory Gallagher. When she got the word, she said, I suppose you heard. But Alice... Well, I rushed to the window and I looked outside, but I could hardly believe. What would you rather do, live next door to Alice or a barking dog? <laughs> Depends what Alice is like, I guess. Is it Alice's uh, restaurant? Or I guess she's got her reasons, but I just don't want to know. Because for 24 years, I've been living next door to Alice. Oh, yeah. Uh, living next door to Alice uh, for 24 years, apparently. This is by Smokey. I didn't remember this song nor the group. This one got to number 25, and it was written by uh, Mike Chapman and Nikki Chin, the men who wrote hits for Susie Quattro, Sweet, and an artist they don't want to talk about, Gary Glitter. <laughs> living next door to Alice was recorded initially by... New World in 1972. In November of 76, it was released by Smokey, a group Chapman and Chin were producing, for whom it was a massive hit, topping the charts in no fewer than seven countries. This was a double-A side release, the other side being Night Moves by Bob Seger. Smokey originally... Uh, it's it's spelled S-M-O-K-I-E. It was originally spelled like you would normally spell it. They're an English rock band from Bradford, Yorkshire. And this was their only U.S. hit, but they did really well in the U.K. and Australia. And this song went to number one in those countries. I still remember how it was Lost and lonely without well. a cause Shades of gray Casey spent a lot of time uh, in the intro to this song for a one-hit wonder because I don't remember this song and I don't remember Gene Cotton. Yeah. So, yeah, this is You've Got Me Running by Gene Cotton. Well, he he wasn't a one-hit wonder, actually, because we had him in a previous episode, oh. uh, like a Sunday in Salem. Oh yeah, Number that song's forty. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> okay, cue up the wrong. Yeah, no, Where's Fonzie? I was. <laughs> I was not exactly right. You mean you were wrong? Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Malfa. I was what you just said I was just then. Yeah. <laughs> but Casey told, yeah, this big long story about Gene Cotton being lucky to be alive because he was hit by a car 
uh, while he was fixing the windshield wipers on the interstate. But uh, this song peaked at number 33. He would have three more mild uh, top 40 hits uh, before my heart finds out, number 23. And you're part of me with Kim Carnes, number 36. And the Like a Sunday in Salem that we mentioned before. And, uh, and he's still with us despite that horrible accident. He survived and he's uh, 78. What is this housewife rock? Yeah, I can't believe how many of these housewife rock songs there are in this countdown. And uh, not in this countdown, but in the, in 70s. the 70s. Yeah. And you know There it is. Yeah. yeah, I Never Cry by Alice Cooper off his album Goes to Hell. Jeez. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. I remember that one. Alice Cooper Goes to Hell. Yeah. <laughs> this song doesn't sound like it belongs on an album of that title. It doesn't. Yeah. So this one got to number 12. Alice being encouraged by the crossover success of Only Women Bleed. He returned to the rock ballad format with this single. This proved to be a shrewd decision on Cooper's part, at least from a commercial standpoint. This one peaked at number 12 and went to number 23 in Australia. It's actually about Alice Cooper's long bout with alcoholism. He called the song an alcoholic confession. And wow. he, he wrote the track with uh, guitar songwriter Dick Wagner. And they were pretty productive as a songwriting team. They co-wrote more than 50 songs together. Alice is still with us. He's 74. And glad to hear, I think, he beat his alcoholism for good. So. Well, I'm reading about Alice Hoover Goes to Hell. If you see my screen, there's a picture of Alice. With like, hey, yeah. He looks green. All right. And it says here, Alice Hoover Goes to Hell tour was completely canceled prior to com- commencement due to Cooper suffering from anemia at the time. Uh-oh. So, so was that from the photo shoot? Yeah. yeah. Um, in 1972, uh, Alice played the Peachtree Festival in Rockingham, North Carolina, along with Poco, Three Dog Night, and Rory Gallagher. What am I gonna do to make you care? What do I do when lightning strikes me? And wait to find that you're not there. Uh, not sure they're gonna say the title. What do I do? So this is Sorry Seems to Be the Hardest Word by Elton John off his album Blue Moves. This one got to number six. This was featured in the 1977 film Slapshot. And Elton began writing this song in 1975 in Los Angeles. Normally, Bernie Taupin wrote the lyrics first and then Elton John added the music. But in this instance, Elton wrote the melody and most of the words as well, with Bernie finishing them off. As Elton explained, quote, I was sitting there and out it came. What have I got to do to make you love me? And, um, yep. and in 1972, Elton John performed at Garden Party 2 in London with Yes, Fairpoint Convention, and 
Rory Gallagher. Was this the first single off that big LP? Let's see, do I have that? Oh, you, I'll look it up. Yeah. So it is off the big LP. This is, uh, I get to it here. There it is, Go Your Own Way. Fleetwood Mac off that big Rumors album. Casey said yeah. this was Fleetwood Mac's fourth top 40 hit. This would go to number 10. Lindsey Buckingham wrote this as a message to Stevie Nicks. It describes their breakup with the most obvious line being packing up, shacking up. It's all you want to do. And concluding he's better off without her. She can go her own way as far as I'm concerned. And Stevie insisted she never shacked up with anyone. (laughs) when they were going out and wanted Lindsay to take out the line, but he refused. And Stevie Nicks told Q Magazine in 2009, it was certainly a message within a song and not a very nice one at that. (laughs) So this this was the first single off the LP, was released in December of 1976. Yeah, so it's just hitting the charts here at 32. So it had been on the charts, the top 100. Where the heck is it on here? Four weeks. Yeah. And um, yeah, you know who did a lot of dates with Fleetwood Mac, albeit the late 60s, early 70s version, and the fake Fleetwood Mac. Oh, yeah. Rory Gallagher. Rory Gallagher. Well, she's kind of pretty, drives a big car, too. And when I hold her in my arms, I never know what to do. She's got everything she needs. What does she John Belushi's buddy. Just a <laughs> Right, I keep forgetting that. I think this guy was... <clears throat> ...was a bigger uh, impact than Gene Cotton. Yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. So this is uh, Save It for a Rainy Day by Stephen Bishop off of his album Careless. And, of course, Casey said, uh, this is newcomer Stephen Bishop. (laughs) (laughs) This one peaked at number 22. It was not inspired by personal experience. Bishop came up with the title and did his best to craft a hit song out of it. Came up with the line, uh, didn't know a girl who drove a big car but he told Soundfacts, you, you just add stuff and make it colorful. The song features a solo and backing vocals by Eric Clapton and Shaka Khan. So that's interesting. Yeah, Shaka Khan. Is that, comes... is that the guitar right there? Yep. And Shaka Khan comes in near the end of the song. And how did this happen? Bishop said uh, Shaka was going out with and eventually married his friend Richard Holland, and he hung out with them back then, and she sang with him one night at the Troubadour, and they used to see each other all the time, and he asked her uh, if she'd sing on three songs on his first album, and yeah, she sounded great, and he told her to... 
Yeah, he told her to wail at the end there. So, and she did. Billboard's number 30. There it is. Don't leave me this way by Thelma Houston of uh, her album Any Way You Like It. And uh, this was the highest debuting record of the week on the chart. And this was originally recorded by Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes with a soulful lead vocal by Teddy Pendergrass. It was released on their 1975 album Wake Up Everybody. Hal Davis, who was producing Thelma Houston, heard the song and had her record it for her album and it went to number one and it was uh, number one on the disco charts in this week as well written by Ian Bollenhoff and also uh, Carrie Gilbert and Thelma Houston had been recording since the mid-60s but despite tremendous acclaim she wasn't able to land a hit until this one and uh, she never got higher than number 34 in the U.S. after this which is where uh, the song Saturday Night, Sunday Morning landed in 79. And this won the Grammy Award for Best R&B Vocal Performance. She's still with us. She's 76. Never been this blue. Never Talk about a downer. <laughs> yeah. But then again. Yeah. So it's the artist of this. Burton Cummings and Thelma Houston were doing a show where they alternated back and forth. I'd be going to the men's room or for a smoke during this one. <laughs> yeah. So this is Stand Tall. And uh, this one got to number 10. Is he going to say it here? There it is. And this was Cummings' first solo hit after he left the Guess Who. And it was Ooh. also his biggest hit. This was his only top 40 hit in the 70s. He had another one in 1981, You Saved My Soul, which rode for two weeks at number 37. Stan Tall was on the chart for 15 weeks. And in his native Canada, don't you know, Burton Cummings was nominated for the Juno Award as Composer of the Year for this song. And he's still with us. He's 75. A lot of songs in the countdown this week where they didn't finish. It's not proper English or grammar. So we had two songs that had run-in, okay? Not running, uh-huh. run-in with a tick, all right? Yeah. And and this one here is uh, Living. And uh, there's another one coming up at number 14. I'll make sure that I talk about it then. Yeah, there it is. Living Thing by Electric Light Orchestra. Good uh, thing there. you didn't use the acronym. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's off their album, A New World Record. And Casey said, 
This next song is by the world's first touring rock and roll chamber group made up of former members of the popular UK group Move and the London Symphony Orchestra. This one got to number 13. Yeah, this song features uncredited vocals by Patty Quattro, sister of Susie Quattro. That's her right there. Yeah. Bree Brandt and Addie Lee, uh, who were all one-time members of the female rock group Fanny. And, oh, yeah, we had Fanny on before. Yeah, And, yeah, according to Susie Quattro's autobiography, the trio sang the higher and higher parts. And, uh, yep, ELO played a couple of dates in 1976 with Jethro Tull and... Rory Gallagher. There he is again. <laughs> All right, I did not remember this. And this this reminds me of discotheques and the sexo lets. Yeah, yeah. Are there even uh, lyrics in this one? I don't remember. I, I don't remember. Yeah. So this is whispering slash chezel la femme and ceci bon. Oh, here we go. There's some words. Almost sounds like the Twilight Zone by um, yeah. uh, Manhattan Transfer. Yeah, 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 I know what you mean. So this is yeah by Dr. Buzzard's original Savannah Band off the uh, album that's named after the band. And this was a big band and swing-influenced disco band that was formed in the Bronx. The band is best known for this number one U.S. dance hit, and it got to number 27 and number one on the dance chart. And they would have three other U.S. dance hits all got to uh, number 22 on the dance charts. Yep. Well, everyone knows this song. Where's that rock? Yep. <laughs> ABBA, Dancing Queen. Yeah. So the last time we did uh, uh, or the, the episode before this was 16 weeks ago, which was October 9th, 1976. Mm-hmm. And we have no repeat songs uh, from that uh, countdown on this chart. We have three repeat artists that we haven't gotten to yet um so we're this is all new ground yeah for us, mark yeah so this is yeah dancing queen by abba this had already been a number one smash in 10 countries and casey said they are the most successful recording act from a non-english speaking country in the history of the pop charts and this is their seventh consecutive Top 40 hit. And it was written by uh, ABBA members uh, Bjorn and Benny. According to ABBA's official site, it was conceived as a dance song with a working title, Boogaloo. And uh, they drew inspiration from the 1974 George McRae disco hit, Rock Your Baby. Uh, And also from the drumming on the 1972 album, Gumbo by Dr. John. And yeah, on uh, August 5th, 1974, they performed at the Whiskey A Go Go for Don 
Kirshner's Rock Concert, and also with Rory Gallagher. Working on mysteries without any clues. Working on a night moves. Trying to make some front page driving news. Working on a night moves. I don't know if I told this story before. This is night moves. This is Bob Seeger. It's not doesn't say the Silver Bullet Band. But I was coming back from a uh, a scouting event in the spring of 1977 and you know my buddy Heavy D who actually just sent me a message that I had to respond to uh, and his Bob Seeger was on the phone and I don't know my father would never have pop music on you know, it was news or uh, the opera or classical music mm-hmm. and I remember Don's father saying this guy's voice stinks. <laughs> Change the channel. I don't know if it was this song because that would have been in June or May or June um, that we were on that uh, where I got the ride at home from them. Uh, I think we talked about it in like one of our first episodes because uh, um, my father had to get back for commencement. Yeah. So. Yeah. So yeah, this one uh, it got to number four and. Night Moves was a breakthrough hit for Seeger, introducing the Heartland Rocker to a much wider audience. He'd been big in Michigan ever since his first album and came out in 69, which had the solid hit Ramblin' Gamblin' Man. That song went to number 17, but over the next few years, he struggled to make a national impact. And uh, this song is semi-autobiographical, according to him. And he was kind of inspired by the movie American Graffiti. Um, and um, yeah, Bob's still with us. He's 77. On a morning from a forgot movie In a country where they turn back time He goes strolling through the crowd like Pete Delora contemplating a crime She comes out well, episode six was from night from June eleventh, nineteen seventy-seven. I'm looking at the paper, and I don't see any uh, Bob Seger on it. But I do see Alice Cooper, you and me. So <laughs> there it was. Yeah. So Year of the Cat by that artist that uh, in the previous episode people were yelling at their podcast machines. We didn't know. <laughs> we do now. It's Al Stewart. That's right. Um, Not Al Graff. Yeah, and uh, yeah, off the album Year of the Cat. Uh, this one got to number eight. And Al Stewart says this song was originally about an English comedian called Tony Hancock, and the song was called Foot of the Stage. That comedian committed suicide in Australia. Ooh. I guess Al Stewart saw him right before he went there, and he knew something was kind of wrong in the guy's life. Nobody in America knew who Tony Hancock was, so they, the song morphed after Stewart's girlfriend at the time had a book on Vietnamese astrology, which was kind of obscure, and it was open at a chapter called The Year of the Cat. So he liked the title, but he didn't want to write a song about cats because that would have been silly. So he ended up making the lyrics off the movie Casablanca. 
Alan Parsons produced this album. This was uh, one of four top 40 hits for Al, the biggest being Time Passages that went to number seven in 78. And uh, in August of 71, Al played at the Jazz Bilzen Festival in Belgium with Jean-Luc Ponty and Rory Gallagher, Gallagher again. So, so the, the Lunar New Year just started recently, and it's the year of the rabbit. I looked that up when I saw this song on the countdown. Oh, so, so maybe Al can put out a sequel. But you're yeah. the rabbit doesn't have the same ring to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a Baker Street type of of saxophone thing. I think that's what we got Al Stewart mes- mixed up with Jerry Rafferty back. Yeah, then. yeah, and the bricks and the gold paint. Mm-hmm. Don't get them mixed up. The bricks you dip in the gold, and the gold you dip in the red paint. Hold your ears, everybody. This is not Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell. No. Who is it? It is Donnie and Marie. Yes, man. Who yeah. had who had our our, our uh, guilty pleasure last episode? I think. Oh no, it was the Osmonds that did, not Donnie. Yeah, Murray. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Donnie. Anyway, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, ain't nothing like the real thing. And off their album New Season, Casey said Donnie and Marie have had four big hit songs together, including Deep Purple. This is a cover of the yeah, Marvin Gaye, Tammy Terrell, number eight hit from 1967, written and produced by our friends Ashford and Simpson. Ashford and, Simpson. Yep. and shortly after recording this song, Tammy Terrell collapsed on stage during a performance with Gaye in 1967, and she was diagnosed with a brain tumor, and Ooh. she died in uh, March 16, 1970. So that's really sad. Um, this Donnie and Marie version went to number 21. I mean, it's a decent cover. This covers go a lot better than their cover of uh, You're My Soul and Inspiration. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. On to number two, two. Stay away from my window. Stay away from my back door. So this song has been on the charts for 18 weeks. It peaked. At number one, and this artist was in the news recently because, uh, of course, he worked with Jeff Beck, mm-hmm. passed away a couple weeks ago, and it turns out that I actually saw Jeff Beck. He opened up for Santana. I don't know if you saw the my ticket stubs that I. Uh, oh, um, what what year and show and where was that? I think it was at the big theater, outdoor theater, and there it is. And uh, that's my Yanni ticket. <laughs> Dio. Here we go. Damn fear. Saturday, August twelfth, nineteen ninety-five. I can remember at, at that concert. Uh, uh, and I don't know how they could have flames in there, but it was right after Jerry Garcia passed away, and Carlos Santana was pretty choked up, and he he lit a candle 
or uh, Jerry Garcia. Yeah. And to tell the truth, I don't even remember seeing uh, uh, Jeff Beck. I'm sure I listened to him. And, uh, but, uh, yeah. 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 So this is Tonight's Tonight by Rod Stewart. And, um, yeah, this had been on the chart for 12 weeks. Uh, 10 of the 12 in the top 10, seven of those at number one. So big, huge song off his album, A Night on the Town. These had this act uh, on our last countdown had number 12 with Get Away. Mark Roback's favorite ensemble or one of them from the 1970s yeah and i don't remember this song out of yeah i I didn't either but uh clearly got that sound of earth wind and fire and it's this is saturday night spelled n-i-t-e this one peaked right here at number 21 it's a, a lesser known song in their collection of 16 top 40 hits they had and as we mentioned a couple episodes ago we we uh, just lost the drummer of Fred White on January 1st at the age of 67 his bandmate and brother the founder leader main songwriter writer and producer of the band Maurice White passed away in 2016 at 74 and their half a brother band bassist Verdon Adams White. Uh, he's still with us. He's 71. And on October 9th, 1973, Earth, Wind, and Fire played at the San Francisco Cow Palace with Faces. And Rory Rod, Gallagher. Rod Stewart was there and yep. Rory Gallagher. So. <laughs> if never I met you. Well, this band had number 20 on our last countdown with Beth. Yeah. Is is this Peter Chris singing again? Yeah. So what's so interesting about this is who does this sound like? Sounds like Rod Stewart. Yeah. So this is Hard Luck Woman by Kiss. The whole song sounds like Rod Stewart. Yeah, and this is uh, yeah. their album Rock and Roll Over. And um yeah, it sounds like a ripoff of Rod Stewart, and for a good reason. The song was written by Paul Stanley and as a possible track for Rod Stewart. But after the success of the rock ballad Beth, Kiss decided to keep it for themselves as a follow-up. And yes, sung by Peter Chris. And uh, while Stewart's music served as a partial inspiration for the song, the nautical theme song, Brandy by American uh, rock band Looking Glass served as Stanley's main inspiration. Um, this one got to number 15. This was covered by country artist Garth Brooks for his 1994 Kiss tribute album, Kiss My <laughs> and, uh, and for You better bleep that out. Yeah. And for uh, Kiss's first tour in 1974, they opened up for Rory Gallagher. Rory Gallagher. So I sing you to sleep After the loving With a song I just wrote Yesterday And I hope you can hear What the words 
After the lovin, another one of those that ends with the apostrophe after the n and no g. So this is by Engelbert Humperdinck. Oh, and then there's another one. I didn't even see this one. Goodness. Yeah. Good so eyes. This is off the album After the Lovin. Engelbert's real name is Arnold George Dorsey. This song got to number eight. It was composed by Richie Adams with lyrics by Alan Bernstein. The album was nominated for a Grammy in the category of Best Pop Vocal Performance, Male, in 1977. <laughs> One of my siblings used to make a lot of fun of this song, and and because of that, uh, Gail and I used to make fun of it as well. <laughs> but uh, Engelbert adopted the name of the German composer, Engelbert Humperdinck, as a stage name. He's still with us. He's 86 years old. And he was on, uh, was it the Captain Antonio or the Sonny and Cher show uh, right around this time? It, it must have been the uh, Sonny and Cher. Sorry, it was Sonny and Cher. Yeah. We're counting down the most popular songs in the country from Kodiak to Kokomo, from Hartford to Honolulu. Number 18. You don't have to be a star to be in my show. And it's by Marilyn McCoo and Billy Davis Jr. Off their album, I Hope We Get to Love and Time. And I see you laughing, Pete, because that's your, your joke about uh, somebody we work with. Our colleague. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> this one went to number one on both the pop and R&B charts, written by James Dean and John Lover. This won the Grammy Award for Best. <laughs> Good Sausage. Yeah. <laughs> That's Jimmy Dean, right? <laughs> yeah, James Dean. <laughs> this won the Grammy Award for Best R&B Performance by a Duo or a Group with vocals in 1977. Baku and Davis left the Fifth Dimension and began performing as a duo, landing a contract with ABC Records. They left in 1975. And they recorded their 1976 debut album, I Hope We Get to Love in Time. And the first single was the title track, which was a mid-chart hit. And then this song was the second single. They became the first African-American married couple to uh, host a network television series, The Marilyn McCoo and Billy Davis Jr. Show, on CBS in the summer of 77. And on July 26, 2019, they celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary. And they continue to perform together. And uh, Marilyn is 79 and Billy is 84 years young. So good for them. Absolutely. Nice song.
you gotta tell no pants guy to do that. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, it's no shirt guy. Yeah. So this is uh yeah, jeans on. Glad it's not jeans off. <laughs> David Dundas off his album, David Dundas. This one peaked here at number 17. And I guess this guy, he's an English musician and actor. He's Lord David Dundas. Um, he is the son of the third Marquis of Zetland and was educated at Harrow before attending the Central School of Speech and Drama in England. This was written by him with the help of Roger Greenway. The noted English songwriter Greenway is best known for his partnership with Roger Cook, which spawns such hits as The Fortune's You've Got Your Troubles and The Holly's Long Cool Woman in a Black Dress. Yeah. And also The New Seekers, I'd Like to Teach the World to Sing. Famous Coke commercial. And of course, Roger Cook was the minister at the church I grew up in. That's right. Yeah. This was covered by Australian country singer Keith Urban on his 2002 album Golden Road. The song was sampled by, uh, for Fatboy Slim's 1998 song Show Nuff. So David Dundas was on Chrysalis Records. You know who else was on Chrysalis? Uh, well, I'm going to say Rory Gallagher, but I know a lot of others that were. Yeah. Uh, also. <laughs> yeah. But was, yeah. <laughs> a ton of other artists. Yeah. <laughs> That's a weak link. <laughs> <laughs> On to number 16. So there was a long distance dedication on. Uh, they weren't doing it here in 1977, but on the 1971, excuse me, 79 episode from yesterday, Barry had not only a long distance dedication early on, but he was on the charts then. All right. And I, I swear you should look at the long distance dedications and count up who had the most in that book. And it had to be Barry. Yeah. Well, didn't, he have the first one? Uh, I think he had the up, first one also. Yeah. yeah, it came up a few episodes ago. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to research that one. Yeah. So when we were at Fort Lauderdale, um, I got the paper out, and, uh, and it said that you could go see Barry uh, over at the South Florida, the F F L L South Florida something or other. Um, and the tickets were only 15 bucks in the cheap seats. Huh? We thought about it, but <clears throat> much like, uh, you know, lots of places on a Friday night, especially down in South Florida, it would probably take two hours to get there, even though it's only 20 miles away. Yeah. So, so this is yeah, Weekend in New England by Barry Manilow off his album, This One's For You. And uh, Casey said, this man was the number one singles artist of 1976. Mm -hmm. uh, this song would get up to number 10. And uh, this was the song that Jennifer Husband sang on season three of American Idol before she was eliminated from the competition, finishing seventh. A few years later, uh, Hudson became a star when she won an Oscar for her performance oh, yeah. in the movie Dream Girls. Yeah. And at Clive Davis 2009 pre-Grammy party, 
Hudson performed a song with Barry Manilow. And this is the same party that Chris Brown and Rihanna attended before their altercation, apparently. You're going way people magazine with me, man. Uh, Well, we mentioned Rihanna because she's going to be a Super Super Bowl Bowl. this year. Yeah. 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 Didn't didn't the guy from ESPN get in trouble? Um, You know, the loudmouth that always talks basketball. And he Uh, said something to the effect that Rihanna's nice, but she ain't no Beyonce. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, I tell you what, just give me up with people. Okay. And, and, you know, (laughs) be done with it. So, a little behind the scenes uh, on on the podcast sometimes we take a little breaks and use the boys room and uh when i realized i wasn't wearing a belt (laughs) and so i was just thinking i was saying i gotta put my belt on i gotta put my belt on Uh instead of jeans on Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I'm going to call you beltless guy. <laughs> well, I have a spare belt at, at work, you know, for those days that uh, I forget to wear a belt, which is maybe once a year, and it's reversible. So one side is brown and the other side is black, and I've offered it to people that I see that aren't wearing a belt, and they they decline. Sometimes politely and sometimes with, like, what, what, what are you looking at that I have a belt on for? Well, it's funny. When I worked in the old plant, I came into work one day and had forgotten my belt. And in, in like an hour or two into the workday, it's like the, the button flew off the pants. So, <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, crap. So I jury rigged something with one of those big black clips, but it like looked ridiculous. So I just wore my smock all day. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, remember when I came in with a brown loafer and a black loafer? Yeah. <laughs> I once went home with like one safety shoe and one regular shoe because I got a phone call in the middle of changing shoes. Oh, this is Steve Miller band, Fly Like an Eagle. This is a big song. Yeah. uh, And it's so big. Yeah. Um, What happens? We have a big, big sponsor this week. Can't get to the post office. Post office is wherever you are. All right, yeah. So um, it's funny. I hadn't realized, or I didn't remember that as being a, an advertisement for the post office. But then, um, then when I went and uh, found that, it's like, oh yeah. And I guess the reason was because their symbol was the eagle, the post office. Oh, so, so yeah. Okay. They, and I hope uh, Steve Miller made even more money off. <laughs> That's right. And use the postal service 
write checks. Yeah. And uh and, so, and, and have a paper boy. Yep, and send send postcards and yeah. use the correct postage. <laughs> That's right. And um yeah. <laughs> All right. Great sponsor. Yeah. On to number 14. Uh, I don't remember this one. This is I Like Dreamin'. Another one with the apostrophe after the N and no G. Mm-hmm. And, and this is by Kenny Nolan off his album, Kenny Nolan. And Casey told this big, long story about how Kenny Nolan failed his high school music class. And then the Sounds guy... like the carpenter. Like yeah, the yeah. Carpenter. Similar. Yeah. Yep, and but uh, this guy, uh, in spite of that, he went on to write seven hit songs in England and three big hits in the U.S., including "Lady Marmalade" and "Oh Wow," "Get Dancing," "Ooh," and "My Eyes Adored You." Uh, those wow. were with uh, Bob Crew, who wrote, you know, a lot of the uh, Paul Anka and the Four Seasons songs. <laughs> no, oh wait, no. no. <laughs> No, it's Neil Sedaka in the Four Seasons. Yeah. <laughs> Sly in the Four Seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, this was by far his biggest hit uh, as a performer, getting to number three. And uh, he had one other top 40 hit with Love Grows Deep that got to number 20 in 77. And uh, yeah, Kenny Nolan is still with us. He's 73 years old. I guess that was a pretty good way to introduce the title of the song. This is Somebody to Love by Queen off their album A Day at the Races. This one got to number 13, and it's sung in a gospel style with the voices of Freddie Mercury, Brian May, and Roger Taylor, multi-tracked to sound like a choir. Uh, according to Brian May, the gospel song was inspired by the music of Aretha Franklin. Uh, Freddie Mercury wrote this one. The lyrics reflect a man calling out to God, asking why he works so hard but can't find love. And uh, this is widely repeated to have been Freddie Mercury's favorite song he ever wrote. The song was performed on the Fox TV musical comedy Glee. And because of that, the song returned to the top 40 uh to number 28 on the billboard hot 100 and uh number 26 on the uk singles chart in 2009 yep this uh their version was featured in the episode the road's not taken and uh guitarist brian may has a phd in astrophysics and uh he credits someone for giving him his sound on the guitar Oh, it must be Rory Gallagher. Yes. <laughs> Lost all alone. I always thought that I could make it on my own. But since you left, I hardly make it through the day. My tears get in the way. 
well, this is not off of Best of Bread. No. But it's off the re-release of Best of Bread. And, uh... Yeah, the sound I, of bread. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is Lost Without Your Love by Bread. Uh, this one got to number nine and number three on the easy listening chart. Written and composed, of course, by David Gates. And it was the title track of Bread's last album. Mm-hmm. And the, the single lasted 16 weeks on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100, longer than any of their songs except their greatest hit, Naked With You. <laughs> and speaking of Naked With You, I was going to send you a message yesterday morning at around 8.30 because I was at Stu Leonard's. I was at the can machine putting cans in and they have XM radio playing at Stu Leonard's and right near the can machine outside Naked With You was playing. <laughs> so, yeah, sounds so, a little bit, bit like Guitar Man right there. Yeah. So yeah, as you mentioned, this one is not on the Best of Bread because the Best of Bread came out before this song. But um, it, it is on uh, another compilation album, The Sound of Bread. <laughs> <laughs> So there it is. Well, this is everyone but Jermaine. Right. Yep. This is Enjoy Yourself by the Jacksons. Uh, it was only released as a single. Uh, this one got to number six. It's another Gamble and Huff song um, featuring uh, Michael and Jackie Jackson on lead vocals. It was the first non-Motown single for the group since they departed from the label earlier that year. And on February 14th, 1989, it became the group's first single to be certified platinum. And uh, it was also the group's first song to feature new member Randy Jackson, who replaced Jermaine Jackson when he decided to stay at Motown, which we talked His father-in-law. Yeah. Session musician from Gamble and Huff's in-house band, TJ Tyndall, wrote the riff that was the initial spark for the song. He was a big part of what was known as MFSB, which sounds like a local TV station, but that's Mother, Father, Sister, Brother, which was a pool of more than 30 studio musicians based in uh, Philadelphia's Sigma Sound Studios. Basically, that was the Philly sound that we like so much. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a bunch of guys from Gary, Indiana that did a lot of Detroit stuff with Motown. Now, now doing Philadelphia. Yeah. Good song. Yeah. Great use of the cowbell in this. Great song. Yeah. The cowbell hasn't happened yet. I saw you lifting, unless you had a itch in the ear. Yeah. <laughs> So, Big hit for Run DMC, yeah. Aerosmith, yeah. 
So this is Walk This Way. Um, this uh, Aerosmith wasn't well known when this came out. The song didn't chart when it was first released in September 1975. But a year later, after their album Rocks took off, the single was reissued and became a big hit, peaking right here at number 10. They released Dream On the next year. Joe Perry came up with the guitar riff for this song, and the band developed the track. But four days later, Steven Tyler didn't have any uh, lyrics for the song. But supposedly the band went to see the movie Young Frankenstein. And there's that scene (laughs) where Marty Feldman tells Gene Wilder to walk this way. And that's where they supposedly got the inspiration for the lyrics. Although... Steven Tyler said something different. He said the song evolved from watching the Three Stooges on TV because they walked this way and that. I I don't know. I I like the uh, Young Frankenstein story better. And of course, Leachman earlier on, you know. Yeah, and and we talked about that that connection to Young Frankenstein before. And we also talked about uh, Aerosmith getting blown off the stage in 1974 by... Rory Gallagher. And then, of course, we missed the anniversary uh, at, uh, back in December of uh, Throw Bottle at Sebastian Bach Day. Uh, ah, Bach. The 28th of December, when I was at that show up in Springfield, Massachusetts. That's right. It's the mayor going to declare. Well, no, according to the according to the fake news that this came from, it was Donald Trump that signed that. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> when he was president. I hereby well, I sound like Mayor Quimby. <laughs> Throw a bottle at Sebastian Bach. Day. You know, we didn't get together over over Christmas. Next year, we should get together. You know, yeah. uh, uh, my Christmas break on maybe throw throw a bottle of Sebastian Bach day. Maybe even go up to Springfield. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, my uh, favorite song on last week's countdown from 1971 was. Uh, Stony End by this lady, Barbara Streisand, and I think that was the biggest hit until this song, right? Um, yeah, that's I what you said last week. Yes, yes, I believe that's true. Mm-hmm. This is love theme from the movie A Star Is Born, also titled Evergreen. And didn't uh, our little friend, who's the great 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 grandson of Butoff? write this song yes he did so and also so starting things off this is a, a shirtless album cover with, oh uh, yeah you're right with uh <laughs> babs and our friend chris christopherson because uh, they were in the movie together and uh yeah this was the theme to the 1976 remake of a star is born the film uh Starred Streisand, she was very popular, and this song won the Academy Award for the best song and went to number one. Yet, as you said, our friend Paul Williams wrote this with Streisand, and he told song facts about his collaboration with Streisand on the song. She sat down and played on the guitar, the melody for Evergreen that she had written, and it was just such a beautiful melody. I said, there's your love song. There's the big love song. And I asked her for the melody and she put it on a tape and I took it home 
And I actually wrote that as the last thing, which I think bothered her, but um, he wrote a bunch of other songs for the movie and uh, all for Chris Christopherson. He wrote the Chris Christopherson songs first, and then he wrote this one for, uh, for Babs. And uh, Paul's still with us. He's 82, and uh, Babs is 80. And I think Chris Christopherson's around still. Yeah. Oh, yeah. On to number eight. This song, not written by Paul Williams. No. Written by The Boss. Yeah. So there you heard it. Blinded by the Light, Manfred Mann's Earth Band, off their album The Roaring Silence. Casey said uh, last week, or I should imitate him, last week this song moved up from number 19 to 9, and I expected it to move up big this week. It only moved up one notch, number 8. Well, it, it will get to number 1. And yeah, as you mentioned, this is Manford Man's cover of the Bruce Springsteen song. Uh, though you'd hardly recognize it if you're familiar with uh, Bruce Springsteen's version. This, this this part right here, I just remember as a kid. I think we have this single in the collection. Yeah. And uh, I back then I didn't know who Bruce Springsteen was, even though he'd probably been on Time and Newsweek at the same time already. But I wasn't reading Time magazine. We used to get Time magazine. Did you ever get a a, a uh, weekly uh, magazine at the house? Um. I oh I didn't growing at my up. house but yo growing up yeah yeah we used to yeah, get that's Time what I meant. Newsweek yeah. or one of those yeah so yeah we got Time magazine we got the National Geographic uh, we got National Review all right which was uh, mm-hmm. uh, William F Buckley's publication I tried to read that I, I couldn't read that when I was a kid I yeah could, <laughs> I, I could read Time magazine <laughs> yeah yeah so. so Believe it or not, if you check Bruce Springsteen's discography, he never had a number one hit as a performer. His highest charting thing was number two. That was Dancing in the Dark. dark. So this songwriting credit is his only number one hit. What about Fire by the Pointer Sisters? (laughs) Manfred Mann also redid... uh, Another Bruce Springsteen song. Uh, yeah, I had it. I didn't write it down. Do you Spirit, have it written down? Yeah, Spirit in the Night. That one yeah, got yeah. to number 40 in 77. Yeah. They uh, did several tour dates with our friend. Rory Gallagher. There are times when a woman has to say what's on her mind. This lady was great in the Brady Bunch. <laughs> And the Poseidon Adventure. <laughs> no, no. We're uh, putting out some fake news here. <laughs> oh, I thought she was going to say it. <laughs> no, no. I, I saw you playing air, you know, get it on. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Say it! Say it! <laughs> I don't know how much more I can take. Say it! Say it! <laughs> 
Yeah, okay. So this is Mary McGregor doing. Oh, maybe it's going to happen right now. Right here. Ah, there it is. So this was written by Peter Yarrow. Oh, from Peter, Paul, and Mary. Peter, Paul, and Mary. And uh, Philip Jarrell, Mary McGregor, recorded this at Muscle Shoals Sound Studio in 1976. It became the title track of her first album. This one got to number one on the U.S. pop and easy listening charts and number one in Canada and number four in the U.K. But this was her, her only top 40 hit. But she had uh, seven hits on the uh, adult contemporary chart. And yeah. uh, she's still with us. She's 74. There's talk on the street. It sounds so familiar. <clears throat> so this is the Eagles. This is a... Uh, this is Glenn Fry. Yeah, I think this is a... Or is it Bernie Leiden? Or is it the other guy? Uh, the singer? Yeah. Wrote this song. Well, it was written by Glenn Fry and Don Henley. It's not who's singing. I think Glenn Fry is right. I think it's Glenn Fry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, when I was <clears throat> in the seventh grade, so it was the next fall, there was a new kid, and uh, here we go, right here. <laughs> and Mike, something with an F, and I because I knew this song. He was Mike New Kid in town. He didn't like it. Yeah. I remember, I think, uh, one of my brothers at this time, he was get, getting into transcendental meditation. And and I remember making fun of him and singing, there's a guru in town. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> this one uh, went to number one. Yeah, it was written by uh, J.D. Souther. Okay, uh, we, with, we know uh, him. With Glenn Fry and Don Henley, and he said they were writing about their replacements. That basically, you know, you you come to California, you hit it big, and you're doing well, and then all of a sudden, uh, there's some other group coming up that's uh, going to be bigger. They are using gunfire as an analogy that that's you know like the new young gun coming to town who's faster than you because you're getting old and slow. Uh, this was the Eagles' third number one hit in the U.S. They played the Pop 73 Gala in uh, the Netherlands. And you know who else played there? Rory Gallagher. And, and didn't you wake up in the middle of the night last week and see the Austin City Limits uh, DVD set? I did, yeah. Yeah, that same show that you were talking about and and, and the same the same artist who's now, I guess... Uh, Touring with the these guys, yeah. <laughs> What's his name? Uh, Vince Gill. Vince Gill, yeah. yeah, who, yeah. who we determined is a roughly our age. Yeah. yeah, a little older. He's he's sister number two's age. Yeah, I think he was born in 1960. No, 1958. Could be uh, a little yeah. older than us. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Okay, not as old as Donny Osmond. No. <laughs> No trouble getting to this title. This is Hotline by the Silvers off their album Something Special. 
And uh, Casey talked about how these guys' youngest members appeared on Groucho Marx's quiz show in the 50s. And they got the question, how many prongs on a fork are there? There's four. Yeah. And so because they got the question correct, they got to perform two songs on the show. Oh, nice. And uh, this song was written by Freddie Perrin and uh, Kenny St. Louis. It became an international top 10 hit and is a gold record. Peaked right here at number five. The Silver's biggest hit was Boogie Fever that went to number one in 1976. And they also had High School Dance that went to number 17 uh, later in this year in 77 that we had on a previous episode. The Silvers were an American R&B family vocal group from Watts, Los Angeles, California. And they consisted of 10 siblings, nine of whom performed in the band at one point or another. And as we talked about in the beginning of the show, they were on the uh, Captain and Tennille uh, variety okay. show at this time, I believe. So, so uh, it's almost four years ago now. Um, myself and a bunch of associates went down to the factory on the island, and one of the things they kept on talking about was <clears throat> the new magic wand to fix manufacturing, which is called the Smart Line. And so we were saying, smart line, smart line, That's right. building on the smart line. So so we can add that to, you know, last episode we had Rock Pile. Yep. And now we could add this one in there. So. Yeah. And I haven't heard anything about the smart line. I should have asked Ed K. Um, yeah. Because he kind of had fun with that. He, I think he I, actually might follow us on the Twitter. I think I made fun of this. Uh, I don't know how old that smart line is, but, um, you know, something about a Monopoly board where, you know, you get your your uh, chance or community chess card that says take a ride on the smart line and go directly <laughs> to jail. This guy had a great, great hairdo. Yeah. Gonna dance the night away. (laughs) So this is, uh, yeah, Leo Sayer, and it's a song you make me feel like dancing off his album Endless Flight, which that's a funny album cover. Is as you mentioned, he's got that big afro hairdo and he's you know got suspenders on and he's suspended in midair <laughs> so this was leo sears uh first number one hit yeah, he looks like richard simmons he does <laughs> yeah, almost exactly like he, yeah he could replace him yeah he followed this song up rapidly with his other number one hit when i need you and uh say so i wrote this song with vinnie poncia who co-wrote the Kiss songs, I Was Made For Loving You and Sure Know Something, and You Make Me Feel Like Dancing Gainsayer, the 1978 Grammy for Best 
R&B song, and this made two consecutive years that a white artist won the award. Boz Skag was the uh, previous winner with Lowdown. And, uh, Leo had eight top 40 hits between the 70s and 80s, and uh, he's still with us. He's 74. I wonder if he still uh, dresses like that. Well, take, take a look <laughs> on my screen. He kind of looks like... Uh... The guy, there's a guy at work, uh, Mike Ross. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's still got. Uh, assuming yeah. that's not a wig, he's still got the big head yeah. here. Yeah. It's a fun song. Yeah. Okay, how many times has this song been sampled? Uh, yeah, probably a lot. So, this is Daz by Brick off their album Good High. And we've had Brick before, Mm -hmm. uh, if you remember. It was uh, Duzik was their other song. That that one had gotten to number 18 later in 77. So, Daz, D-A-Z-Z, is a combination of disco and jazz. The style is actually disco funk and jazz. This spent four weeks at the top of the R&B singles chart while reaching number three on the Billboard Hot 100 and number 41 on Billboard's year-end chart. So this song and Duzik were uh, their only two top 40 hits on the pop chart, but they had several more on the R&B charts. And Another popular 1970s era soul group, the Daz Band, took their name from this song. Uh-huh. And do you remember what big song the Daz Band had? I, I, no. <laughs> Let it whip, whip it, baby. Whip oh, it, right, okay. right. <laughs> whip it, baby. Whip it all night. <laughs> and it's not, not uh, Devo. You no. must whip it. <laughs> Should we start another tab with songs with whip in it? (laughs) (laughs) Why don't we just go to number two? So uh, let's kind of look at what's on the other charts. So this was number one on the soul chart. I wish by Mr. Stevie Wonder here. It's number two. Mm -hmm. Uh, The number one LP was this gentleman again. Songs of the Key of Life. And the number one uh, country song was uh, Ronnie Millsap, uh, Let My Love Be Your Pillow. Kind of kicky. Yeah. <laughs> when, when Casey said that, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, this is I Wish. Um, this was another Stevie Wonder song that had gone to number one. This song finds Stevie chronicling his younger days from the 1950s onto the early 60s. And he wrote the song after attending a Motown company picnic in 1976, where he participated in contests and games, an afternoon in which he felt that he rekindled his childhood. He said, quote, I had such a good time at the picnic that I went to the crystal recording studio right afterward and the vibe came right to my mind he said this was stevie's fifth number one and the voice in the song that says you nasty boy is stevie wonder's sister renee hardaway mm. 
And uh, this one, a uh, Grammy for best R&B vocal performance male. And Stevie is 72 years old. Number one. Weekending January 29th, 1977. make a movie out of this well yeah we we talked about this oh yeah uh, previous episode mm-hmm. I, I have the dvd that's right because it was released that's right you got gail got it in the in the bargain bin right yeah so there it is car wash by uh, rose royce off the album Car Wash. Yeah, Casey told the story about the lead singer for the group whose real name is Gwen Dickey. She was initially supposed to audition for the group The Undisputed Truth, who have the song Smiling Faces. Uh, but due to a mix-up, she ended up auditioning for Rose Royce instead. But it ended up working out so well, she changed her name to Rose. Norman Whitfield, who wrote many Motown classics, was commissioned to write songs for the soundtrack of the movie Car Wash. He was having a meal of Kentucky Fried Chicken while watching a basketball game when the inspiration struck him. He wrote the lyrics on the bag containing the chicken. And uh, yeah, the song fit very well in the movie which was a, about a rather funky car wash. And the soundtrack album went gold, and this song won the 1976 Grammy Award for Best Album of Original Score Written for a Motion Picture. The hand claps at the beginning have been sampled by many hip-hop and R&B artists. These guys had three other top 40 hits. I Want to Get Next to You, number two. 10 later in 77 do your dance part one number 39 in 77 and love don't live here anymore number 32 in 78 and they had many many more hits on the r&b charts in 2010 uh rose experienced a spinal cord injury in london in her home uh, leaving her reliant on a wheelchair but as of 2022 she still performs in concerts on stage uh while seated in the the Well, he's 69. <laughs> that rhythm right there sounds like something that Frank Zappa had in his Halloween shows <laughs> when it, right before he went into Dancing Fool. So <laughs> this is right around the same time. Yeah. So. All right. That was number one. Yeah. How about that? All right. This is the time where we do our song picks and ratings and things. And so we'll start it off with the song we think will torture the other guy. And that is... Your agonizer, please. No, Mr. Slug! I got it queued up. So, Mark, I'm going to agonize you with number 29. Never been this And there are a whole lot of things I could have agonized you with you, but this is the one I first wrote down and I crossed off and I wrote down another one and then I crossed it off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, this this would be agony to me. And uh, but you're right. There's there's quite a few things on here. Yeah. That, uh, so this is "Stand Tall" by uh, Burton Cummings from Burton the Guess Cummings. Who. Yeah. But we don't think we don't have to get all the way into it. So I'm going to stop it now. Okay. Uh, I was lazy. So I just went with the obvious, uh, mm-hmm. and that was number six. There's talk on the street. Yeah. So yeah, you're lazy. You're lazy just I am. Because there are a lot in here. Uh, uh, agreed. I yeah. guess I just didn't want to. Well, I, did you see what time I sent this out last night? We were, yeah, I did. We were, but you were probably crying in your beer. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a, a runner up was uh, uh, living next door to Alice. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I considered maybe torn between two lovers too. All right, so I had a song for uh, best song of the countdown, but I changed it during the uh, during the episode. So I'm going to go with number thirty. Mm-hmm. I had originally written down the Doobie Brothers. Uh, Keeps you running. And, uh... Yeah. This is Thelma Houston. And and I think it's because it's Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. You know, that... Right? Isn't that the ones that that made it big before? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, this is... No, this is a good song. I I, I could... This, um... There were a lot of good songs to pick from. Oh, without a doubt. In this yeah. countdown. Yeah. 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 This was pretty good. All right. So what is your best song of the countdown? Yeah, I, I went back and forth too. And uh, I don't know. You, you're probably going to shoot me because it's been driven into the ground. But um, I picked number eight. Wow. I had queued up number two. Thought about number two. That was certainly a runner-up. In fact, I think that was the runner-up. Also, I like it keeps you running. I, I could list a bunch. I just sort of said, oh, I got so many here. I, I thought this one was really innovative and sounded yeah. different. Oh yeah, than everything else. At yeah, the time. it wasn't like Donnie Marie, you know, slapping on their voices. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. something. Yeah. So, yeah. all right, why don't we mix it up here? Why don't we have? Uh, <laughs> Your uh, worst song of the week? Yeah, I um, I probably gave it away a little bit earlier, but yeah, I went with uh, number seven. There are times when Maureen McCormick. <laughs> yeah. All right. Understood. This is seventies sap. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna go. <clears throat> With something that's very similar. Number 14. Which one was this? Oh, okay. Yeah. He's saying it. He said it twice already. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about it. It was so forgettable. (laughs) Yeah. All right. All right. Do you have a guilty pleasure? I do. And... I don't know if this will be a surprise or, or not, but now yeah, we'll go for it. I went with number three. Because you love your disco jazz. 
for some reason, when this first came on, that opening, uh, you know, anyone who knows me knows that if I try to get up on the dance floor, it's it's like Frankenstein's. Mm. Alive. It's alive. It's alive. But this song might get me up on the dance floor. <laughs> I think this is like really cool, funky jazz disco. Jazz. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna rewind all the way back to number forty for my guilty pleasure. So this is Ten CC, the things you do for love, and as a what is this, eleven, twelve year old kid. Uh, it reminds me of back then, and uh, this is all over the radio. I don't know. Yeah. This is, I, was this a? Uh, see, this had only been on the charts for four weeks. I don't know where it end. Uh, you know, the top one hundred. I don't know where it ended up, but yeah, uh, I like the num- song. Yeah, got to number five. I mean, it's a big song, yeah. and I, I remember this one a lot. And I just, um, I, I had forgotten who had done it until mm-hmm. until I actually saw it. Ten CC. So. No, this is a good song. Yeah, yeah, I like this one as well. All right. So, uh, let's see. All right, so here's my story song of the week. Number 36. Living next door to Alice. Okay. Yeah. I'll agree. He's telling a story. Terrible song. Yeah. <laughs> well, we always said it doesn't have to uh, be a good song. It just has to have a good narrative or uh, tell a narrative so yeah okay yeah yeah wasn't what i picked okay I, I picked i think something better not maybe for the narrative but just a better song okay and, and that was number two because okay. similar to what you and i do in the beginning of these episodes we Talk about our own childhoods too, growing yeah. up in the seventies, and uh, you know, and and plus, I wanted to since I didn't pick this as the number one song or, or my favorite uh, of the countdown, but I wanted to get it in there too because it's as great usual. Song. Yep, great song by Stevie Wonder. Yeah. All right. So, um, all right. Next one is the Divergent songs. All right. Yeah. So I'm going to start with number ten. All right. Telling you to walk. Yeah. All right. And uh, I'm going to juxtapose that with uh, hmm, where the heck is it? Yeah. I found it. I lost my train of thought. So one is saying, walk this way. And the other one say, keep on running. Wow. It happened. It took 
39 episodes. <laughs> Cue up the music. The, we picked the same divergent songs. Maybe because this was a pain. <laughs> this was hard. Yeah. So yeah, I picked the exact same two songs as most divergent because walk this way and it keeps you running. Of course, there's another song with running in the in the title too. Oh yeah, you I thought you were running gonna... by Gene Cotton, but that song stunk. I <laughs> yeah. didn't want to hear that. I was afraid like you might go to that like forgetting about it keeps you running and it's like a, but no no yeah so yeah awesome yeah it took us forever but it it happened yeah. <laughs> So let's see. Why don't we uh, stay in this song for a little bit as we uh, rate the countdown? Okay. Uh, I could get started if you want. Mm -hmm. um, yep. So, uh, yeah, my individual song ratings. I had 19 good songs, 16 neutral, 3 bad, and 1 sap. So I ended up giving it a B plus. A lot of good stuff iconic songs but there was a, a fair amount of of bad stuff in here so it, it's kind of like i i kind of tried to balance it i could have gone higher but i think i would have been like biased because i recognize a lot of the stuff here but there's a lot of stuff i don't recognize in here. yeah and a lot of artists that who the hell are they i you know i didn't didn't remember them at all yeah all right. Well, I I went with a B minus, okay. and um, even though I love Casey and the Sunshine Band, I don't remember that song. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Alice Cooper, "Go to Hell" uh, <laughs> or whatever the heck it was. Yeah. Goes to hell. Yeah. Goes. To, <laughs> yeah. His his mom rock and you know the the Kiss song, "Hard Luck." I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But I do like the Engelbert song, okay? Yeah. And, um, but when you throw in there, I like Dream In. And as much as I like Barbra Streisand and Paul Williams, you know, Evergreen, it's... Eh. So. Yeah. I, I will say what was interesting about this countdown is, given the time, I would say there's more funk than disco in here though you know yeah. so I, I like some of the funky stuff but yeah I you know even some of the songs by artists I, I like aren't necessarily like what I think are their you know best efforts like this is a song I like it but not not you know my favorite De Doobie Brothers song and Fly Like an Eagle yeah, yeah. I like it but not my favorite Steve Miller song so yeah, yeah. So, all right. Well, let's. So that's uh, fair. We're pretty close. Yeah. How much time we have on this? Well, you know what? We're, I'm going to find something else to uh, to get out of here on. All right. We're going to wrap up with this awful song because <laughs> I had to put my belt on. Uh, so uh, we are on the Twitter at seventies. Oh, weekly or at seven zero weekly and uh, if you have a chance give us a uh, five star review on Apple Podcasts because we don't want to read the other stuff um, and uh, I don't know let's see we've only gotten 
we've gotten seven ratings, but only one written down. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. Yeah, but yeah we'd, we'd uh, be open to some, uh, you know, verbal uh, rating if you want to put something in there. Yeah. But, um, all right. So, um, as Casey might uh, end this episode, keep walking this way and keep flying like an eagle. And keep your podcast machine right where it's tuned. See you next time, folks. Have a good one.